Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of The Well. This week, we're talking to my good friend and North Face teammate, Hillary Allen, aka The Hilly Goat. Hillary's long been one of the best sky runners and ultra runners in the world, earning lots of wins and podium performances in some of the most competitive and important international races. But just as she was ascending to the top level of the sport, in fact, when she was ranked number one in the Sky Running World Series in 2017, Hillary's whole life sort of came crashing down quite literally. She suffered a 150 foot fall off of an exposed mountain ridge while she was in the middle of a race in Tromsø, Norway. She miraculously survived the fall, but she was told that she likely would never return to the same level of performance and competitiveness that she once occupied in the sport. So obviously the physical injuries were severe, but the emotional consequences were equally difficult. And we talk a lot about that here in this episode. And as you'll hear, after a long and arduous rehabilitation from that fall, and after a few successful races, just as she was starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, she suffered a badly broken ankle in the spring of this year, 2019, leading to several more months of recovery. But rather than giving up, Hillary battled back and she was able to finish second in the legendary 145 kilometer TDS race this past August in Chamonix, France. So you'll hear how Hillary dealt with those incredibly difficult circumstances and maintained a belief in herself and in her future as an elite athlete when there was seemingly no hope in sight. And, you know, her story is really a true comeback story, even if she doesn't like using that word herself, uh, and a story that I've taken a lot of personal inspiration from as I recover from my own significantly less serious injuries. Um, but while there are a few people who can say they've literally fallen off a mountain like Hillary has, I think we all at some point sort of fall off a metaphorical mountain in our own lives and have to figure out how to put the pieces of our life back together in the aftermath. And if you find yourself in that position now or sometime in the future, I think and hope Hillary's attitude and the lessons from her experience will will resonate with you and, and hopefully help you through those those experiences that we all go through at some point in our lives. So without further ado, my good friend, the great Hilly Goat, Hillary Allen. <laughs> okay. All right. How, how does it sound, Dylan? You sound excellent. Hold it closer. Yeah, sounds so weird. We're like speaking to each other with microphones. I know. I feel like such a <laughs> dork. These headphones on and stuff. <laughs> you look so good. <laughs> this reminds me of the Iron Far commentary days. It sounds good. I did it one year with you. It was, we'll have it was to, awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. You're a natural. Mm. Okay. Hillary Allen. Hey. It's it's good to be with you here, my my friend and teammate. And <laughs> now one of my sporting heroes and Aww. inspirations. <laughs> so it's sweet. a beautiful morning here in Boulder. How are you doing? Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you better that you, uh, stood me up on our run this morning? <laughs> I don't feel guilty about it actually you at all shouldn't. because, uh, I'm still trying to recover from this TDS race that I did. This is like an unknown territory for me for like recovering from a longer race. I don't really know like yeah. how long is enough or how sleepy I should feel. But. Well, I think it's a moving target for everybody, but I want to talk obviously a lot about that here <laughs> with you. Um, but yeah, like how, how is your, your body feeling now two weeks removed from the big dance? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like two weeks almost to the day. Um, you know, I'm surprised actually like muscularly, I don't feel that bad. Like my muscles aren't sore. I mean, I think honestly the sorest part um, from from the race was my quad, but that was like kind of where I took a little digger and like hit a rock pretty hard. I swear this is not my MO to fall all the yeah, time, but <laughs> I want to talk to you about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was actually the sorest part, but, um, I think just generally it's just kind of like tired, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's maybe the lack of sleep that you do for these long races, but then also just obviously the duration. Yeah. And um, the travel and then just like the yeah. emotional exhaustion from Honestly, going so deep. Yeah. The emotional exhaustion for sure. Mm -hmm. It's like plays a huge toll. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. And uh, honestly, I was glad to get that text from you this morning that uh, <laughs> you were going to actually sleep in instead of doing a sunrise <laughs> dawn patrol with Which me. I but... freaking love those runs. But man, yeah, like today I was just like, I don't, I would rather just like, I need to sleep in and drink some coffee. And <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, no, no hard feelings. You'll just have to uh, <laughs> make it up to me at some point soon. But All right. I want to talk a lot about TDS, but you know, to sort of set the stage about how and why that was such a triumphant result for you. Obviously, I want to talk a lot about um, what got you to this point and what makes it so special. And I know you're probably really sick of telling (laughs) the stories um, of sort of what you've been through over the last couple of years, but you and I have never really talked in depth about what happened in in Norway in Mm -hmm. 2017. Do you mind just giving us that story? It's okay. Um, it's like, it's, it's something that's part of me. And I think it's sometimes I'm still in disbelief that it actually happened. Um, but yeah, so basically I like to run like these things called sky races. So they're really, you know, steep and technical. And, um, I mean, that's how I got my nickname, the hilly goat. I just love to go uphill and, like the steeper, the better. Um, and so I do a lot of these races in Europe, like on the World Skyrunning Series Tour. Um, and so generally how I do it is obviously I love to race, but I love to go to new places that I've never been before. And so like the f- past few years running, I've you know gone to Europe and just traveled from race to race. And in 2017, one of the final races on my season was this Tromso Sky Race. So it's in Tromso, Norway. It's like super far north. It's... Um, this incredibly beautiful place. And the trails in Norway are just next level technical. Like they're just insane. It's just rocks. The only the only part where you can relax is like literally on the pavement leading to and from the start line <laughs> to the actual trails. Um, and so I did this race. I was actually having a really good season. I was like ranked first in the World Skyrunning Series. And so this race was more of kind of like just having fun and exploring Norway, but it didn't really turn out that way. Um, I am basically, I was running on this ridge. It's called Humperokin Ridge and it's fairly technical. It's like third class, nothing crazy. It's like, this is the type of train I I train in all the time. And what happened is, I I mean, I don't remember if I tripped on something. I really don't think so because um, like you can kind of, you can anticipate that type of a fall. But I remember just stepping and um, the ground giving way. And I was just in the air, like, turning upside down. And, um, I remember like, so you effectively just fell off of the ridge. Yeah. Yeah. Like in a place where, I mean, you were very exposed, very exposed. Like it was a, it was a, it was literally a cliff. I fell 150 feet. So like not absolutely, but like, you know, like at one time, but I, I hit the ground, I think about six times. That's what people said. Like people were watching me fall. Just a proper tomahawk down there. And so like, I actually, I went, I mean, I can, we can get to this later. I went and visited the spot this year. I want to talk about that. So we'll talk about that later, but, um, falling 150 feet is just insane. But like seeing the place where I fell, it was like, I shouldn't be here. Like, let alone, like, I mean, I came away with very serious injuries. Like I broke 14 bones. Um, had lacerations in my legs. Like I have this like grizzly bear scar on my quad. Um, and I've always wondered like why it looks so gnarly, but, um, it's because like, like literally, um, the rescue team said that they could fit their hand in sideways Mm. all the way into my quad. It was so deep. And like all of those types of lacerations all over my body. Um, I broke my back. I broke like both of my wrists. So like both bones in each arm, (laughs) I broke both like both of my feet, um, like twisted my left ankle, like super bad, um, broke five ribs. Um, like it was just insane. So do you remember the act of falling? That was the eerie part is I do remember it. I remember literally like my brain telling me like, Oh, the horizon's not supposed to be upside down. And then I remember telling myself like, okay, like this is it. You're, this is your death. Like you need oh to, my gosh. I remember it like it was, but it was so calm. My voice was like, so matter of fact and like, all right, Hillary, like you, this, you're dying like this. Mm-hmm. You need to like try to stop yourself. Like I was like formulating a plan. And then every time I'd hit the ground, 
I remember it just like this blurry, like jumbly mess, but I don't remember the pain of the in- mm-hmm. impact, but I remember like the pressure and the sensation of like, and hearing like the popping of like bones breaking and like, and then I remember I was just like trying to grab for something. And then before I knew it, I was in the air again. And that was kind of on repeat mm-hmm. until I came to on the side of the mountain. So did you lose consciousness? At some point, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if it was just from like falling so fast or like obviously the pain. Um, I hit my head. So maybe that was it, obviously, of course, it yeah. too. Um, but yeah, the crazy part is, is that like of all the bones that I bra- I broke, like I didn't fracture my skull, like... Thank I think goodness. it was because that's why like, I was pr- probably like protecting myself with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, and the terrain there, it's like, it's just granite that you're falling on. Like I, I landed in snow, but like what I was falling on was rocks. Yeah. So. Well, thank goodness. Um, it wasn't more <laughs> serious though. It was incredibly traumatic. I'm yeah. sure. What was the rescue like? Like how, how did you end up getting yeah. out of there? And then what was the immediate aftermath? Did yeah. you, you, I'm sure you went straight to the hospital. Yeah. So, I mean, I was extremely lucky that it happened during a race because I, I think about like that happening in the U.S. and, um, you know, like you're, so, you're out there. And I mean, yeah, I was out there in this race, but there was a rescue helicopter on call. And so some racer who was behind me saw it happen. And so he actually scrambled down to me. Wow. Um, which is also insane because that terrain was just, it was vertical. And, um, so he was actually trained in mountain rescue. Wow. So that was extremely lucky. So he, you know, he, and he knew the race directors. Um, so he, he lives in Tromso. Um, and so he called the search and rescue or, you know, made the call to someone to make that phone call. Um, but I think it was maybe only 30 minutes um, that he, they were kind of um, there. Uh, I say they, Manu was the guy that came down to me. Um, and then they called Killian and um, Martina Valmosai was a was the photographer and Ian Corliss. They came down or around the same area. Um, and then then the, the rescue team came, the doctor. And I actually was able to talk to Manu about this. And it was um, a pretty intense experience because the helicopter could not land on the ridge. So the helicopter is lowering this rope down to me. Um, for, first he has to get the doctor. The doctor has to scramble down, uh, like with a cot or whatever, like to me. Mm. Um, and then the helicopter is hovering above us, you know, like, like this huge chopper, like, you know, with debris, like if you've ever been close to a helicopter, it's pretty impressive. Like the amount of like wind power that's generated (laughs) from it. (laughs) And so they're at the top, like, and then rocks are keeping on falling down. And like Manu's saying, he's trying to protect me, like hold the leg, the wound closed in my legs and like hold my body still because I'm, I'm yelling and I'm like in pain. Um, and you know, like, ugh, he, like Manu said when he saw me down there, like I wasn't, he didn't, he thought it was dead when he first went wow. down to me. And it wasn't until he started moving me because I was on an edge, like on the snow, that he realized that I was breathing. And so then that's kind of what initiated wow. the survival response. But he was for sure, after watching me fall, he thought that for sure I was dead. And so they airlifted you effectively to a nearby mm-hmm. hospital and, and yeah. you were there for how long? So, yeah. So after that operation, like I remember them like, ho- like putting me in the cot and then having to like raise me up. It felt like I was like falling again. That was not fun. Um, mm-hmm. And it hurt obviously with like the vibrations of the helicopter. Um, but yeah, so I was in the hospital uh, in Norway for, so in Tromso for about two weeks before. Wow, it was, I was that long. Yeah, because Dylan, I couldn't like, I literally could not get up to go to the bathroom on mm. my own for the first five days I was there. Like wow. they gave me a catheter. Like that's not pleasant, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, like, I, I couldn't, I, there was like blood in my hair. Like I couldn't like brush my hair. Yeah. Um, like there's all these like stitches that had to like shave part yeah, of my it's head. A proper for that. traumatic. Yeah. And so episode. I was, I was there. My mother actually flew in, um, to, to see me. And, you know, like the second or third day that I was in the hospital after I had like all these surgeries, but I was too weak to, to fly. And mm-hmm. also I was on all these, this, like, I had all these serious injuries. I was on blood thinners. Yeah. So it was like, there's risk of clotting. If you go, if you fly, so you kind of have airplane. to get through the most acute mm-hmm. couple weeks before yeah. it's safe to, to travel home. And I couldn't like, and if you're saying bed, like bedridden for that long, like 
like I, when I would get up, I would just get lightheaded and I was mm -hmm. just so exhausted. So like m traveling in the airport, it was just like impossible. Yeah. And so, I mean, I actually pushed the envelope. I was like, I want to go home. Yeah. And, um, I remember the nurse was like, okay, well you have to be able to like walk for this amount of time. Like, you know, on like, well not walk, but like get up, you know, I was like kind right. of on like a, like little, like a weight bearing through my elbows, kind of like crutch system yeah. thing, like hopping around on my one ankle because yeah, you can't sucked. wait there with your wrists and stuff. Yeah, yeah yeah and so um so that was it before I got to fly home and then when I flew home it was a whole nother like I, I told you that before we started like it was a slew of other surgeries that I had right. to have so I, I want you to kind of go through that if you don't mind and yeah take as much time as you need but I'd love to if you don't again, mind revisiting some of like the, the most unpleasant episodes. Yeah. I mean, what did those months look like upon your return home? What were the, you know, the surgeries and the bed rest and the ultimate like rehabilitation? What did yeah. that look like? So, I mean, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. Like, of course I've had injuries before, like minor setbacks in running, but it's, you know, it's, it's like, you can still walk and move. But when I came home, um, I actually, it was pretty devastating. So I had an external fixation on my left wrist because it was broken really badly. So that's like where you have like the right. wires screws. and screws and rods sticking out of you. Um, so they wanted to take that out because the bones weren't healing correctly. And this is they're already two weeks in, so it's kind of pretty dire. Mm -hmm. um, and then my other broken uh, wrist and arm, they, it wasn't, it wasn't healing correctly either. So they wanted to do two more surgeries on both my arms to put a plate and screws inside them. So I arrive in the country on Monday, see all the doctors on Tuesday, see like the wrist specialists. And then I also like, they were taking x-rays of all my injuries and, you know, they took an x-ray of my left ankle to see kind of if there was any broken bones. I mean, there wasn't, it was just, everything was sprained. Like it was like yeah, ligament, really bad soft tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they took, uh, x-ray of my, um, of my right foot, um, because it had some broken bones in it. Uh, and the foot doctor, she comes in and she's like, okay, like I have some pretty hard news. Like you have a Liz Franck ligament injury, which they actually missed in Norway. Um, she's an expert. So she was able to diagnose it based on the separation between my big toe and my second metatarsal. Um, and this art, this ligament is like a major contributing ligament to the arch of your foot, mm. the integrity of your foot. And I remember her using the words that this was a foot changing injury and that it was very unlikely if I would ever run again. Gosh. And she's, when she said run, she's like, you will not be competing again at an elite level. You can maybe jog, but like, this is, this is a foot changing injury. Mm. And I mean, I was already having such a hard time. Like I was in just so much pain and like, just like, you know, being in the doctor's office for like four hours, like <laughs> trying to figure out what the next steps were. And I was faced with a decision. Like I needed to do a surgery basically to pin the bones back together. So the ligament could scar in. Mm. That was like the best option for return to like activity activity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, but like that's, that's a super invasive surgery, especially in your foot. Like it's, I was just, I didn't know what to do. And I, um, I mean, at first I wanted to like, I was super angry just with this whole situation of like why this happened to me. And like this doctor telling me that I'd, you know, like she, she had the fate of my running career in her hands and I was just like super angry. And then obviously just depressed and, and sad. And I made the decision like, okay, well, this is what I have to do in order to, to maybe even have a hope of returning. And so that was really hard because then the next few days, like Wednesday and Thursday, I had like back to back to back surgeries. Um, and wow. um, it took a while. Like I didn't really have, um, I couldn't use crutches. So like my right foot, um, basically I wasn't allowed to weight bear for three months because not only was it like obviously a bone injury, the bone had, the bones had to heal, but the ligament, like you can't weight it because the ligament takes a really long time to heal because it's limited blood supply. And it's, it's like the weight bearing mechanism of your foot. So I couldn't risk injuring it again. Yeah. Um, I did 10 days and I nearly <laughs> went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane. Um, <laughs> So like three months of not, of like, you know, having a boot and then 
I could weight bear on my other ankle, but it was so sore because it was, I, I couldn't put weight on it for very long because it was badly sprained. Um, I didn't, the first couple days I was in the United States, I didn't have like the appropriate crutches to use. So I had to like rent a wheelchair, yeah. which I really couldn't use because my wrists were broken. Yeah. So, um, then I got one of those like walkers, you know, like the, that the elderly use for like with the tennis balls underneath them. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like you bear weight through your elbows. Um, but like, so I was, a, I'm, I'm a very independent person. Yeah. And then going from being the most, like the, like a super fit, being able to run miles and miles through technical terrain in the mountains to then one moment. And then the next day I can't even move. Right. I can't even like eat. I literally had to like make a fork with like styrofoam on it. So it was wide enough for me to like spoon food into my mouth. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Like the doctor said for my wrists, I couldn't lift more than a Coke can or like, you know, yeah. can of beer. <laughs> That's more appropriate for me. I don't really <laughs> drink Coke unless it's in races. But um, but uh, yeah, I couldn't lift that. So how do you cook? Right. How do you hold up a shampoo bottle in the shower? How do you shower? Mm-hmm. Because I only have one foot. I either had to like sit and it's a slippery surface or I had to have like a walker in the shower. And oh yeah, I had to have like a person yeah. being there to make sure that I'm okay. Yeah. And so it's like all, all of this independence is immediately stripped away. Right. And I, I'm, I was on like 24 hour watch cause I was like a, a, like I was a falling risk. Think about, I mean, here's the other thing, like any stairs, like, do you have like one or two steps to get mm-hmm. into your, to get into your house? It really impacts every single second of your life. Yeah. Basically. I literally, I would have to have someone build me a ramp or if I had to get through stairs, like I had to have someone be on either two people on either side of me and help me like hop down the stairs, yeah. which is also scary on like a bum ankle. <laughs> yeah. And then, or like I learned how to butt scoot, which is basically I have to sit down and then scoot backwards up the stairs using my elbows to like yeah. put my weight up. <laughs> so, you know, you're sort of like alluding to the emotional side of this yeah. whole injury episode as yeah. well. The physical consequences are obvious, but yeah. The emotional side of it, I think, is something that is, you know, maybe not as obvious and Mm -hmm. and certainly something that was probably equally painful. And obviously most runners are familiar with injury, but we're Mm -hmm. usually talking about sprained ankles or tendonitis Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. maybe the occasional stress fracture. And Mm -hmm. this was obviously much more traumatic. So how was your emotional state there? You said, you know, you sort of got depressed and especially when the doctor said, you know, you're likely not going to be returning to at least elite status. Um, how did, how did you deal with that? And then how did you kind of regain that faith in your, your ability to come back and retrust your body after an injury like that? Yeah. Um, honestly, that has been, that has been the absolute hardest thing to do. And I would say, um, I mean, we can get into this later just because of, you know, what happened this past year, but of like learning how to retrust my body has been the hardest thing, um, the mental piece. And I obviously, uh, for, for this injury, like these injuries from Tremso, um, it was emotionally draining. Like I didn't feel like myself because myself is a very like independent and do it yourself kind of person. So I had to kind of get over that pride and ego and learn how to accept help and know that that doesn't make me a weak person, but in fact, it makes you stronger because you get to rely on other people that you truly love. You get to dive into kind of those, those relationships that aren't necessarily, you can't see them, but you can feel them. And it's a lasting kind of energy between you and another human being or like, Mm -hmm. you know, connection. Um, but I mean, Literally for a whole year, I woke up every day not feeling like myself. And that's a really hard place to be. Um, Just going through a change and rediscovering, literally rediscovering what makes me happy and what makes me tick and something and, and to not give up. Like every day I was in pain and I had to find a way to keep going through it and to not, to, to show up to my PT, to do like silly exercises, you know, that, I was like, ah, this isn't going to make a difference, yeah. but you Did know, you want to give up at any point? Almost every day. Yeah. Almost every day I thought about it. And I mean, there'd be some days like for the, to, for like the emotional roller coaster, like 
early on in the recovery, like I would, I was, I had to move places because I couldn't live in my current apartment because there's so many stairs. So I had to rent a place that was actually my, one of my sponsors, Scratch Labs, they helped me do this. Um, but uh, it was downtown, uh, like a, a ground level apartment. And I would take my, I had a scooter, so I right. found a solution. <laughs> this like literally like four wheel off-road scooter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I could like, I could scoot to my nearest coffee shop, yeah. which is my favorite one off of Spruce and it's right near here. Right near here. Um, but uh, so it was literally like a mile and um of scooting like down pearl street like i like every day that was like my motivation to get off and because i couldn't make coffee myself and so i had to go get coffee Mm -hmm. and then i had a little basket and i'd put like my journal in there and i'd put like little things (laughs) i'd like go to the pharmacy and pick up some melatonin or like some pain pain cream or something like arnica um but i would go there and like and then some days it would be okay but other days you know like people would talk to me and be like, oh, like, how are you doing? I would have these like injuries and they'd be like, what happened? I'm just like, motherfucker, stop talking to me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about this right now. Or like they'd corner me and be like, yeah. did a bear get you? And I'm just like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, it's just like something you can't escape. I the can't whole time. escape. Yeah. And then I'm not feeling like myself and, um, and like, and then obviously like dealing with the pain and then like them asking what happened and like what I do. I'm just like, how do I answer this? Like, I don't know. And then some days like, literally just that moment of going to the coffee shop and coming back, I'd have to sleep the rest of the day. Mm. Or I would just like get home and I'd just start crying and I wouldn't know what to do. Um, it just seemed so overwhelming that like, honestly, there were days where I just, I didn't, I, I wish the accident would have killed me. Yeah, That sounds like super dark. And obviously I'm, I'm grateful that I was alive and that I wasn't paralyzed. And at the same time, I felt this extreme darkness, this extreme pain, anger, sadness. It wasn't just gratitude for being alive. It was just, I was I was lost in the difficulty of the day-to-day life yeah. and the uncertainty. I mean, I don't really deal well with uncertainty. I'm an athlete. I like to plan. I like build my year around races and yeah. training blocks. And I literally had to focus on even like a moment at a time just to get through a day. Yeah. And that is, that was just really, that was really difficult for me. Um, and, but the uncertainty of not knowing what my future looked like, not knowing if I would be able to do something that I honestly loved so much. And And it's your identity, you know, you've been an athlete your whole life. My whole life. Yeah. What you love to do. And, and I feel like, you know, being an athlete makes me a better person. And so like, that was the, the emotional part. I mean, like I had that journal, I would literally have to write these thoughts down so I could get them out or talk to someone that was really cool. Is like learning who I could really talk to and trust and, um, you know, say these ugly emotions, um, what was going through my mind. Um, Interesting. So like the journal and mm -hmm. maybe like some talk therapy sort of helped you process some of that stuff. Yeah. And honestly, so, I mean, without writing for me has always been very cathartic because I can just, it's like no judgment. I can just say whatever's on my mind. (laughs) No one's going to be like, I mean, if they read it, they'd be like, damn, hell, like that's dark. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it was just really important for me. And I think, um, I, I think, I, I basically I had this book, this this page in my in my journal that I ear that I like dog-eared and like marked so I could come back to it. And it was this list of affirmations. And I knew that I didn't have to believe them at the time, but I would just like make myself say them or read them. And sometimes like it would just be like it'd be just like, ah oh, fuck, okay. Can you like, give an example? Is it like I will be a champion? <laughs> Cue I the tiger music. No, um, <laughs> uh, no. So the one that actually has been the biggest influence in my life was um, like progress is not perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, honor my process, whether that's like honoring my process means like if you're feeling like shit today or you're feeling like all any emotion, like you're honoring it. Like you have to create space and acknowledge those emotions in order for you to move forward. And another big one is that believe that my best athletic days are ahead of me. Yes. Yes. And I like, I remember reading this and like my friend Alan Lim over from scratch, he's like, yeah, Hill, like you have to say this, you have to say this to yourself. And some days I'd be just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Believe in my best athletic days are ahead of me. Like, fuck, like, I don't even know if I believe it, but I would say it. And 
it wasn't until like literally it took me a year and a half to even start believing that. Wow. And it wasn't until I finished TDS this year that I actually, actually truly believe it. believe it. Well, I think that's a, a good segue <laughs> and it's really a beautiful thing to hear as, you know, somebody who's been struggling with injury myself. <laughs> yeah. But and my wife uh encourages me to do mm-hmm. similar stuff all the time. Yeah. And I always feel similarly yeah. kind of like fraudulent where I'm like, well, I don't really believe this. Yeah. Like, why would I say it to myself or why right? would I write it down? It's but hard. For there's like, value in it, I there guess. There is. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's that crazy thing with what we do. I mean, running an ultra marathon, it's, it takes so much physical training, but like literally there's, I mean, it's such a mental race too. Like you want to be, you have to want to. You have to believe that yeah. you can do it. And you have to want to be there. You have to want to want it. Like you need to be like, I mean, you were saying, I remember you were saying this the other day, um, is that like when you're in an emotionally good place, like training just comes so easy. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in a race. And so it's like this accident taught me that it's obviously, I knew this like from a logical standpoint that training isn't just about the physical side. Like you have to be mentally tough. And I, and I thought logically it's like, oh, yeah, I am good with this. Like, even if it's raining or snowing, like I can go out there and like tough it out and gut it out. Like I'm a stubborn person. Like yeah. I can do this, but it's much more. It's actually, you know, um, working on that mental and emotional peace and the emotional health of you as a human being. Yeah. It's critical. Mm-hmm. Um, well, eventually it did start to come around for you. Yeah. Your, your accident happened in the summer of 2017 mm-hmm. by the summer of 2018, you started to compete a little bit again. Yeah. And which was unexpected. And then <laughs> by, by the end of 2018, like you did the North face race and, Chile. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you started to kind of feel some momentum again and Mm -hmm. probably start to get excited about this year's season 2019. Mm -hmm. But then what happened to you this, this past February? Yeah. So, well, to go back to that too, like last, last summer, I mean, I literally had to like let go of expectations of being elite. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I basically got to fall in love with running again and experience like why I really wanted to do it to start on the start line because I was so scared. And then finally, once I was able to like pull a couple of wins together, which was like insane, yeah. I was like, oh God, okay, maybe I, I am back. Like, yeah. um, I was starting to dream about my 2019 season. And I had like, finally in the winter, I had started to feel like myself again, like, like the elite athlete, like not not the same person, obviously, but like, I felt like I was like, wow, okay. Like, I don't feel like I'm injured anymore. Mm. Um, and I had committed, I like made a race schedule and I was like ready to like get back into sky running what I loved and like do a full season. And on a routine run, like, you know, just, it was a nice wintry day and I had, you know, finished my trail run on, um, like, and I was like running down the street to my house, um, four blocks from my house, I hit a patch of ice, slipped and twisted and then broke my ankle. And I remember like the sound of it. Um, and I was like, fuck, Yeah. I know what this is. Like, this is not as like this. I broke, I broke it. And like, I just remember that feeling. It's like, I was just like crumbling, like literally like the pit of my stomach, just like dropping through the floor. Yeah. And I remember like trying to get up and wait it. And then my ankle wasn't tracking. And I'm just like, oh, oh crap. Like, like looking at it, I was like, and then I, and I was like, oh my God, like I know what happened. And I sat down, it was snowing. I sat down on the curve and I was, I just started weeping, like not even crying, like full out, ugly, full body crying. Wow. And all that I could say to myself was, I don't know if I could do this again. Oh my gosh. And I'm going to start crying thinking about it because I, mean, I might start crying here. <laughs> no, Dylan, it was so, oh my God, I have to get it, it together. Just... Um, or I don't, I can cry on this yeah. show. It's real. Um, but like, it was just in what? Oh, it was just like, it was the most intense feeling because I had hit I thought I hit rock bottom for the Tromso injuries, but honestly breaking my ankle was a new low for me. And I know it was only one injury. Everyone told me that, Oh, Hill, like you can get through this. This is not as bad as what you've been through. But Tromso almost seemed easier because I, I had that piece to hang on to that. Well, you're not dead. Like 
like I had to focus on, I had so many other things to focus on just to get through the day because I had so many injuries. It was kind of a distraction. And, but then with this ankle injury, like it was just so like, it was just out of the blue, just completely like, you know, kick in the gut. Mm -hmm. And I knew what was coming. I knew what recovery looked like. And I, and breaking your ankle, like it's your, and it was my freaking right, right foot again. Like I, um, like went to the, I went to the doctor and then we had this whole thing. It's like, okay, let's wait a week to see, um, you know, how, if it, you know, my, it might heal on its own. You might not need surgery, but of course I needed surgery. And that was like the safest option just because of my activity level. Like things have yeah. to be perfect. And, um, so like, I was just in this hole because like I knew what was coming. I had to spend six weeks again, non-weight bearing. I couldn't drive. It was the winter time. And okay, I could use crutches now, but crutches on the snow and ice, like, mm. are you kidding me? <laughs> I like would rather just stay at home and yeah. not risk falling. And so it was just this whole process over and over again. And I like, and at that moment, I was just like, screw this. Like I'm taking everything off of my race calendar. Like, I don't know if what's going to happen. Like, I don't know. And I just basically went into this dark, deep hole of trying to focus on recovery and give myself the space and time I needed to process the loss and like the grief and then still try to maintain some sort of positive attitude to keep showing up every day again and like mm -hmm. relive this thing that was just like one of the hardest periods of my life and then relive it again. It was just, I, I don't have enough adjectives to describe how hard it was. feeling of defeat, I'm sure. Uh -huh. Yeah. And to be clear, was this kind of a re-aggravation of one of your injuries that you sustained during the fall? So, no, this is the crazy thing yeah. is, and um, because like, you know, a year and a half after, I mean, I had the screws removed in my foot, um, a year and a half after injury, it was, you know, it was, I was, it was, you know, obviously he, like quote unquote healed, you know, like, it, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I had healed, my body was was strong again. Um, I mean, with the, with the, with the mileage and the amount of stuff that I was able to train, like my, I was fine. Yeah. It was just so unlucky. It's a freak accident. Yeah. Basically. Wow. Um, well, I, I want to move on to happier subjects here, <laughs> um, in a second. Um, but you sort of alluded to this earlier in that you, this year prior to TDS, went and revisited the scene of the crime yeah. in Norway. Oh my God. That might Can, not be a happy memory. No. <laughs> well, I, yeah, this um, no, is yeah. sort of the, the last, uh, no, it's maybe, cool, it's, cool. Um, it's, it's important to talk about because I honestly never thought that I would, I thought that I'd go back to Tromso, but I didn't think that I would go there during the actual race. Mm -hmm. And it was important for me to do it during the race. I now, I knew that subconsciously, like eh, when I was there, I was like, this is a horrible idea. I don't know yeah. why I'm here. Um, but so basically this year, um, after breaking my ankle, I found gravel biking. And so a way for me to kind of like, I had taken off my early season races for running and actually I got copped in some gravel bike races, yeah. which was like terrifying and super exciting. <laughs> but um, it was a way for me to kind of get my feet wet into competition again and just have fun and have no expectations. But my first, I wasn't even able to start riding a bike outside until April. And I wasn't able to even start running till probably like the first, like I started hiking and beginning of April and then started jogging like, you know, second week of April or something. And I, um, did these two gravel bike races. And then at the end of June, um, I decided I wanted to like go to Europe and I, um, did this 50 K race and I ended up winning it. Cortina. Cortina. Yeah. That's like a special place for me. It was yeah. actually my first win after in 2018, after right. my, after all my injuries. Um, and at this point I was just like, I had no expectations going into Cortina because I had, I hadn't even strung You've together any good bike, training. Basically. Yeah. I yeah. hadn't been running. And so it was when I crossed that finish line that I was like, holy shit, I need to go back to Tromso. Yeah. Like it was right then I made the decision. Wow. And because I knew I was never, ever going to be like ready, you but I felt like- You never fully process it unless you go back there and yeah, kind and, of conquer it. And so I was able to go there and I kind of spent a whole week there and I met with Manu, the guy who like, we've become good friends. He was the man who rescued me. Um, but we got to talk in depth about the accident and like from his perspective. Mm. And that's where I got all these little tidbits about like how he thought I was dead when he, when he came down to me. Um, 
And actually we ran, I, 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 I called him and I was like, Hey, if I come back to Trump, so will you run the whole race with me? And he's like, sure. Like, wow. let's do it. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's obviously hard to run an ultra. It's like 55 kilometers or 57 kilometers. And like, it's a, it's a long, very hard it's technical so race. hard. Yeah. Like the winning time is like eight hours yeah. or like eight and a half. It's like, it's oh, like eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not like a way too cool. Type no, course, it's not yeah. like four hours. Like cool. It's like a long course. And so I remember going back there and like the first day I arrived, I called Manu. I was like, Hey, I want to go up on Humper Rock and Ridge. And I did not know what was in store. Like I remember we, we started off and I remember like getting memories of the race like, I remember feeling, I was like, oh, I remember seeing this person here. I remember seeing this person there. And then we get to the spot where I fell. And this is where I just like, like, I am so lucky to be alive because it was just a vertical cliff. Like it was one of the worst places mm. to fall, like on either side of it. And having Manu describe to me, like how my body looked when he found me, he said like, clearly my back was broken just based on my position. But like my rib cage was all like, messed up and like, ex like, because of my ribs, like I had broken yeah. five ribs and like, it was just distorted in a way that didn't look like a human could move that way. Yeah. And him describing this stuff to me was just like, man, like I'm so lucky to be alive and I'm so lucky to be able to be here and be running again. So it, it gave you a sense of gratitude, both for your did. life, but for your ability to, to yeah. still be out in the mountains. And it gave me this perspective of like, you know, it didn't matter if I was, you know, elite again or all of this other stuff. It just mattered that I was able to like, I, it, it gave me a sense of gratitude for how hard I worked and how hard and stubborn I was to not give up on something that I loved so much. Oh, that is so beautiful. <laughs> Goosebumps right now. I'm sure, you know, you and Manu will have this bond forever. Forever, and, yeah. And he, I'm sure, is, you know, carries a sense of pride that he mm -hmm. did the right thing during the race mm -hmm. and yeah. has helped you to, you know, recover what you thought you had lost forever. So yeah. it's it's really amazing. Um and yet doing it during that race actually was super important too because like the all the volunteers that were there on the ridgeline, they were there two years ago. So they remember it. Oh, and I didn't know them, but like they were just like yelling my name and like there are people that were crying at the top of the ridge. Like I was crying I'm like sure. with people I didn't even know, but it was like really important for me to do it during Tremso, not only for myself, but I think for the community around me. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that was like probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. That's amazing. And it seems like that was kind of one of the last major pieces of training for, for TDS, which I kind of want to mm -hmm. transition to yeah. now. <laughs> um, of course, TDS being one of the major races during the UTMB festival mm -hmm. in uh, the festival Chamonix Valley um, <laughs> in August of every year. This year it was uh, elongated, making it even <laughs> harder and more technical than it was last year when I did it. Yeah, I know. And um, like, dude, when you did it last year, it was like this epic battle. Like you guys were like minutes <laughs> apart from each other. And I was like, how is that possible yeah. during an ultra? And actually seeing your race, and I was like, that's the race I want to do because it's like, technical it's yeah. more rugged yeah and then it's more of a hilly goat race yeah so you know you've <laughs> mentioned a couple times that you sort of grew up in the sport yeah. through sky running yeah. you know mostly races 50k 50 miles maybe I did mostly like steep and technical yeah I did a 200 kilometer races but that was in like 2016 yeah but mostly you're focusing on yep. the sky sky yep, racing exactly what mm -hmm. was it about TDS specifically that made you want to sort of like well, maybe not TDS specifically, but what made you want to sort of dip your toe into the longer distance mountain races specifically, or especially after what you had been through with injury? Yeah. So honestly, like I, so I was like, I'm going to do, I want to do, so I want to do another hundred K distance because I hadn't done one since before, before, um, the accident. And so like in 28, in 2018, I had done the North face endurance challenge race, which was a 50 mile race, or like, it was like 55 miles and I felt good. So I was ready for 2019 to be like, okay, like let's get into the longer Stimulant. stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause I've always been a little bit 
patient with myself for doing longer things. And I mean, you've had this suspicion about me and like doing the longer stuff that maybe I'm like made for it. (laughs) But, um, now I think I'm like, now I'm kind of on that train. Um, but honestly I signed up for TDS like in 2018 thinking that it was going to be a 120 kilometer race. (laughs) And surprise. so surprise when they had changed the race and it was like 145K. It's like harder than UTMB now. Yeah, because it's steeper and it's like more technical. But so the reason I chose TDS was because it was right around like it was 120. That's what I thought. So it was like a little bit longer than I had done. It was technical. It wasn't like it was it was it was steeper. It was just it seemed like my style of race. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a good stepping stone in order for me to kind of gain my confidence back. And then maybe 2020 do like, you know, a hundred mile race or something like this. Uh (laughs) Well, um, yeah, it, well, they just basically like, you know, just surprised me and it was like 145 K. So like around, it was 92 miles. And, um, I was like, when I broke my ankle, like I was like, shit, like, I don't know. Like I had no idea if I could do it. I kept it on my schedule just because like, I had no idea at that point. Like I, I, and I was just depressed. Like I didn't want to be emailing race directors, be like, sorry, can't do this. Sorry, yeah. can't do this. You know, like I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to keep it on there. But, um, yeah, I had no idea if I was going to be able to race it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't until like, I just decided like, I kind of like took my training like incrementally. And then I decided to spend the summer in France because I knew that if I wanted to run this race, I had to train on the terrain. Mm-hmm the steep terrain. And I was totally unsure if my ankle was going to be able to handle it, but I told myself, okay, like I'm going to go there and give myself the time and do the training. And if my, if I feel strong, then I'll do the race. Mm-hmm. And I and made it, it, I made it to the start line. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, to give you a glimpse into my experience of your race, <laughs> yeah, the, please. <laughs> the, the morning of TDS, you guys started at like four o'clock Four in the morning. I had, a a group run to do in the morning and then mm-hmm. went for my own run afterwards and mm-hmm. caught up with Harmony and some of our friends who mm-hmm. were out on their own adventure. And they had been watching the race more closely than I could <laughs> that morning. And they said, ah, oh, Hillary looks like she had taken a fall. She's bleeding from the knee. And I was like, <laughs> no, no! <laughs> like, gosh, she's been through so much. Like this can't be happening. So I know what happened in the, the early parts, <laughs> like what was the early part of the race? Obviously I want to get into the more yeah. dramatic parts of the race, but so oh what my happened God. there? So, okay. So in training, I had done the TDS course in three days. So I kind of knew, I knew vaguely what was, what was happening. I mean, starting at four in the morning, you start in the dark, obviously. And so you start from Cormier, Italy, and you kind of go up this, it's a beautiful climb. Um, and it's like, I remember I had taken the lead on the, on the climbs and of course, like I hadn't checked to see who was like in the, yeah, like in early, the, whatever. In the, like yeah. I didn't know who was going to be there. Like I was just kind of running my own race, like within my, within, you know, like my, my ability. Um, and then after you top out on this like pretty steep climb, um, you have like some of the most runnable, it's like an open kind of fire road, know, yep. like the, the run, the most runnable section of the entire course. And it's maybe about, I don't know, five miles, um, maybe, um, before you do this other, like kind of rough off-road descent, but it was on that road. I caught a toe and I fell like, and it wasn't, it wasn't a bad fall. Like it was just kind of like a, like a Superman kind of slide thing. And like, but like, it scared me because I literally, oh, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to say it. But like, literally I immediately started crying and I was just like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like I was literally asking myself that. And I'm like, okay, like I'm like checking myself. I'm like, okay, you're okay. You're okay. Like just keep going. Like, it's fine. Like, but I was like shaking. Cause it was like, it, it shook me. Like it scared me. Um, and I knew like the, the thing on my knee was, it was superficial. Like it was just kind of more of a, it was like a slide. It wasn't even really anything. Yeah. The main impact though, was my, um, my quad, my right quad, of course, my fucking right yeah. side, <laughs> but like, damn it. Um, the, on like the right, like the right quad I had like my, and I looked down and my shorts were ripped and like I had to readjust my number cause my number was on my shorts and like the safety pins had torn out. Uh, and, um, but like my shorts were ripped and there was this like pretty deep cut on my like upper, upper thigh. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I was just like, 
fuck. I immediately yeah. thought to Tim Tolfson because uh. he had, you know, fallen early in the race and then he actually had to pull out because it got so painful. Yeah. And I had, was like continuing to run downhill and the descents in TDS are really punishing. Mm-hmm. They're so steep. And um, I remember feeling like this kind of like, like stiffness and, and pain in my quad from the, like the impact. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But like, you're like sort of not again. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, Oh crap. Like I wouldn't want this to end my race. And so actually at that point I kind of slowed down a little bit and I was like, then like the first and the, these two ladies passed me, but it was able, I was able to kind of regroup and just completely focus on me, how I was feeling, like taking care of myself, eating, drinking, mm-hmm. getting to the next aid station, like taking my time and not rushing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the two other women, Audrey Tangay from France mm-hmm. and Katrin Gertz from Switzerland, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Two of, you know, the most well accomplished runners in the world, especially this year. And they've yeah. raced each other a couple of times. And yeah. certainly really tough competition for you guys. And as you sort of alluded to earlier, the race got pretty dramatic as it did for us the year before. Yeah. And I was doing the commentary on the English channel, um, as you guys went into Beaufort together, which was like 90 K's into the race. Mm -hmm. And all three of you guys are in the aid station at the same time. Yeah. What was that like for you? And, And what was going through your mind? Like, with your return from injury and this being the longest you had run ever. In, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, being at 90 K obviously you'd gone longer than that, but that's the longest you had gone yeah. since well before your injury or yeah. your, your accident in, yeah. in Norway. What so, was it like there in Beaufort? Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, actually, even leading into Beaufort, I was so pleased because I had closed the gap on both Audrey and, and Catherine um, at the top of that climb. And I regained the lead on the descent. Mm-hmm. And like, at that point, I had been having so much trouble with confidence um, in downhill running. Like I knew that that was going to be my weakness going into the race. And it was so cool to see that, like, I was just like going for it. And gives me so much hope <laughs> still with my ankle yeah. running down hills. I'm just like terrified. And it does. It's not perfect all the time. Yeah. Like, but I was just so happy that at that point, like I was like, all right, like this, this was like, I mean, I'm a very logical person. So this gave me like data and I was like, oh shit. Like I can actually run with these women, like on the downhill. Yeah. Like I'm, I like held them off and I like maintained the lead for that whole entire, like, I don't even know, huge downhills, like 4,000, 5,000 feet of descending. Um, And so like coming into the aid station, like I was, first of all, I was just so happy to see my crew. Like it was, I was just so happy. And like, I, I honestly, like, even though they were there and we were together the whole time, I did not feel nervous. I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel like I was not rushing. I was just making sure that I was like, you know, refilling my pack with what I needed, my food. And I was just like really just focusing on myself and like what I needed to do to like, to go out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like all three of you were kind of in a similar position. And it's interesting for me as an observer, you know, because usually when you're in the aid station with a couple of other men, granted men are, I think a little bit more driven by (laughs) competitive instinct maybe, or just like (laughs) stupid testosterone, but like you sort of rush through it and all three of you guys seemed like totally calm and composed. And and then after you kind of left there, it sort of became more of a two person race having dropped Katrine off Mm -hmm. the back. And it became sort of between you and Audrey. Mm -hmm. Um, Were you guys running together no. There, yeah, so, so that was the crazy part is like coming out of before and actually that's where I hit a pretty low spot. And mm-hmm. I just told myself, just keep moving, keep climbing. Like, even if you feel like you're not climbing well, you are. Um, so Katrin, she, that's her, I don't know. Like she, she left the aid station first and then I quickly passed her and then Audrey, um, caught up and then she passed me. And I don't think she was ever that far ahead, but you like in these trails are so steep and so many switchbacks, you can't really see ahead of you. And so I wasn't really seeing her, but I was again, just like doing my own thing. And I thought that, that Catherine or whatever her name is, um, Katrine, she was, I thought that she was right behind me. Right. Like I knew I was climbing stronger than her all day, but, um, I thought that she was right behind me. I had no idea that I had put like an hour or like an hour and a half on her. Right. Um, 
And I was just kind of, like I said, just doing my own thing. And it wasn't until I got to the top of this like punishing climb um, and the sun had set. I was just getting to the aid station um, as the sun was setting. And my, like your coach actually, yeah, yeah, my, like, me. my mentor, like he's <laughs> Jason Coop. He was there. He's like, Hillary, Audrey left like 60 seconds ago. You're gaining on her. I was like, what? Like yeah. literally I was just like, really? <laughs> and then, you know, still took my time in the aid station and then like put on my headlamp and like yeah. started the descent, which. So the, that's the, the top of the cold. Before yeah. you drop down into Lake Contamine, which is the last aid station, the, well, the last, last major aid station, yes. last place to see your crew and get more food. And holy shit, that descent is so punishing. You yep. have to go through like a, you remember like yep. a riverbed. That's and it where was I got like, lost. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it's hard. I mean, yeah. and they marked it pretty well, but like even, even on the switchback, sometimes you lose, yeah. you lose it. And it was just so steep and so rocky. It had rained the few days before. So it was like Washed really rutted out. out. Yeah. Oh man. And then literally when we came into Lake Contamine together, we were 10 seconds apart. Well, yeah, you guys are back in the aid station yeah. again together. And at this point you're <laughs> like 17 hours or something in, into yeah. the race. What was that like well, for actually, you? More like, I think 18, maybe yeah, even 19. 17, 18 hours yeah. into the race. Yeah. Um, and this being the longest race yeah. of your career and sort of obviously uncharted territory in that respect mm -hmm. and coming back from your injuries, I'm sure you were, very satisfied about mm -hmm. your position in the race and your ability yeah. to, to compete later on. But yeah. what was it like being in that un, unchart, uncharted territory? And, and then yeah. what was the battle like between it, there and the finish line? It was like super awesome to actually, to, to go into the aid station. And like, there was a whole bunch of people um, had come out and they were like, yeah. like cheering for me. I was like, how do all these people know me? <laughs> and um, like going to the aid station again, I was just so happy to see my crew. Um, and, uh, like I was so proud of myself because yeah. I told myself like coming into this race, like I couldn't think about it as 145 K because that seems impossible. I had to digest it in like little chunks to get from one aid station to the next or one section to the next, as I remembered through training. And I knew, I told myself like, I'm very stubborn. So I knew things could like shit could hit the fan. And like, I was always going to finish, but I knew that if I made it to Lake Contamine, I was going to finish that thing. Of course, yeah. Like you had to, like no matter what. So I knew I was like, well, shit. All right. Like I'm here. Yeah. Like it's no cakewalk from there either. I mean, yeah, you have one of the hardest not. climbs of the day. Yeah. There. Really steep climb. And like the descent is kind of is, is hard and, and mm -hmm. it's a descent, but not really a descent. There's still some climbs after that, but it's like rutted and rooty and rocky and hard. And you go across the suspension bridge, which is, is not fun to do in the dark. Um, but I remember like coming to the aid station. I was just so happy. I knew that I had come this whole way. I had come through that super dark moment of going up to the Col de Jolie and like, like kind of hiked my way out of it and like was strong. And even though I wasn't feeling the best, like I knew I had made it through that. And, um, and I, at that point it's like, you're never really feeling fresh. And so, yeah. but like, I knew what I had to do to get through. I had run that section of the course like two times. So I knew what was coming. I knew what, like mentally what to do. Um, but honestly, I think at that point, like Again, I didn't rush. Like, Audrey, I think I had scared her. And, like, she kind of, like, you know, went out of the aid station. I think she was, like, we were climbing pretty steady together. Um, and I just told myself, like, if I caught her, I caught her. And mm -hmm. if not, then, like, it's okay. Right. Like, so maybe at the end of the race, it's, like, maybe my competitive instinct, like, dropped off a little bit. Because I was just kind of, like you said, like, really just happy with my race. But it's also really cool to think back on that and be, like, if I really had to, like, I could have pushed more. Yeah. And that's actually really cool to, to, to learn and know about myself. But like, even like at the end, she finished like 10 minutes, 12 minutes ahead of me. Like that's nothing for yep. this type of a race. And like, it was literally separated from the last, like the last 10 or 12 K. And it's, and so, I mean, I know she left the aid station like a little bit ahead of me. So maybe like three minutes or so yeah. or four minutes. Um, um, but then, you know, I'm not sure where she put, where she put the, um, the distance or the time on me, but like, I was just so happy to be able to, to finish, to finish. I'm and proud. then also like on that last eight K that's by the river going into Chamonix, it's like this kind of like douche grade climbing yeah. and I ran it mm -hmm. and like after, and I had no idea what happened after, you know, 70 miles right. like or 60 miles. I'd never run further than that before. And to be able to finish and finish running yeah. and 
like after nearly 22 hours of racing, like of being focused, like we're literally where you can't just like nod off and just be like, oh, cool. I'm just going to take this easy. Like you're focused the whole Mm -hmm. time being like, okay, where is she? Like, let's like, let's do this. Like, obviously, you know, like that takes mental energy. And just like when I, I was thinking about those final K's and like reaching that pavement and reaching the city center of Chamonix. I was like visualizing that for days. Yeah. And like, I remember leaving Chamonix and being like, the next time I see this finishing shoot, I'm going to be finishing TDS. Yes. And like, (laughs) and then seeing that finishing shoot and seeing like the people that I love at the finish line. And like, I mean, that's the greatest feeling in the whole world. Like literally, like I, I was just in awe that what I had just done. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people (laughs) I think were in awe of (laughs) you and what you had done. And obviously the competition with Audrey who ended up winning. Winning, Um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was so cool. And especially like for me, because when I heard you had fallen and you were bleeding, I was like, oh my God, if she does, if she has to drop out of this race or something, this I is know. Be <laughs> That's what I was thinking disaster. too. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, having had a couple weeks to sort of contemplate the, this accomplishment and specifically what you've been through over the last couple of years. And you said earlier that it wasn't until after you finished TDS that you felt like you were officially back as the champion yeah. Philly goat <laughs> that you are. I mean, obviously like what happened in Norway and breaking your ankle are going to be part of you, you know, yeah. forever. But how does this performance at TDS like, uh, what does it feel like in terms of having that confidence in yourself again, that faith yeah. in your body's ability to recover and mm-hmm. just like your gratitude and any of those things that you want to riff on a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like it's, it's taken a little bit um, to process it all. And I'm just so proud. Like I'm proud for not giving up on myself when things seemed so impossible. I'm proud for, like laying down, like I felt like I was like building this foundation that I couldn't really see what the house looked like. And like I, I, on those difficult days, like some days the little bricks were like chipped and cracked, but I still put them in there and like, it still contributed to this foundation. And now I'm actually like seeing like the house that like I'm, I'm making. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I'm just so happy that I, that I didn't give up on myself because Mm -hmm. like something that I loved so much wasn't worth losing over this, the indi- like the individual moments of pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that I was able to learn that through these incredibly difficult moments in my life. Like I wouldn't have been able to have this perspective unless I had suffered so much. And I think it's like, it's like the yin and yang um, or like the reason why I love the sunrise so much um, is because there's the sunset, there's like the dark. And in order to experience happiness, I have to know what pain feels like. And it makes it that much sweeter. And um, I don't feel like I'm like, I hate the word comeback. Like I know it's there, but like, because I don't like it because I don't feel like I'm the same person. Like I'm new and I'm a new person. I have new perspective. Like I feel like I'm back, quote unquote, but like in an even better way than before. It's like, it's something I couldn't have even imagined. It's like- So with some perspective now, you can look back at Mm -hmm. these periods of just super intense adversity and Mm -hmm. see the value in it now. See the value. And then also it's just taught me, it's like, all right, I know that life is not straightforward and we're never done learning. We're never done overcoming hard times. I mean, hell, I learned that the hard way Um, with, you know, the accident and then the ankle break. Um, but it gives me hope because I know that I have like, you know how, how people say like, I got you. Like mm-hmm. I can say that to myself and be like, I got you. Like if hard things I can happen, get through I know anything. I can get through yeah. it. And it's like, I'm going to learn something through the whole situation. And it's going to, it's going to make me stronger and a, and a better person and a better runner in the end. And that's why I can say that I truly believe that my best athletic days are ahead of me because I've learned so much and I feel like I've opened a new door to, you know, my future in, in running. That's so, so beautiful. (laughs) Well, Hillary, 
I love you. I'm proud of you. Thanks, you're Dylan. you're my inspiration oh my gosh, as somebody so recovering happy. from significantly less serious oh, injuries. And still, I feel so soft and overdramatic about <laughs> No. But um, no. congratulations on, <laughs> on TDS you. and your season so far. I won't <laughs> ask you what's next because I know that pisses you off. <laughs> I well but, actually I think it's just because I don't know yet, but I'm like, um, you're giving me ideas. Well, so <laughs> I can't wait to see you're one of my favorites. Oh, thanks, um, Dylan. I'm sure you will your best athletic days are ahead of you and you too keep believing it say it even if it it feels weird it will cultivate the belief okay well thank you hillary (laughs) thanks dylan wow what a story thanks so much to hillary for being so open and honest with us about her journey even those most painful moments. I just so admire her attitude and perspective on what has been a wild roller coaster of the last couple of years. And I'm just in awe that she's able to still maintain the same great attitude and optimism after so much setback and adversity. So please give her a shout on Instagram and let her know if the story touched you at all at hillygoat underscore climbs. She's the best. Thanks also to the good people at the House of Pod in Denver, Colorado, who take care of all the heavy lifting on the back end of this podcast. They are great people providing an awesome service. So please do check them out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you enjoy, obviously would be psyched. If you subscribed, told your friends, etc., etc. We'll have more content coming for you soon. And until then, remember, your best athletic days are still ahead of you. You <laughs>